He loves you so much, and you love him so much. And it, I can't help but remember how much I wanted to please God and how much I wanted to do everything right. And the problem was I, I was always disqualifying myself because I was actually uh, judging myself on my own uh, scale. Again, I wanted to please him so much and I didn't want to let him down. And then I began to see that I was feeling that I needed to con contribute something to what he had called finish. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, sin came into the earth. And God had said that the moment you disobey me by eating of the tree that I told you not, you're gonna die. And you can think it's physical death, but it's really separation. And being separated from God in your mind, where you think he's not there, or you think you're far away, that's the death that sin brought into the world, where we began to feel like we were far off from God. Now you have to understand that God was always present and he's always present. And he's the one that is fighting for us and giving us the word which is truth that we may make, be made free. I want to talk to you, I want to share my life because every time I come here I want uh, to give you something of my relationship with the Lord, of my walk with him. And a lot of things you can only know by walking with him. It won't even come through seminary studies because what happens, what happens there is you, you learn about God. But that was never enough for me. I wanted to know him. And so in order to know him, you have to walk with him. And I want to uh, speak today about a man who walked with God. Now, as I'm speaking, I'm speaking out of the scripture about a man named Enoch. But I want you to understand that I'm really talking about my own life. I'm talking about my life in the Lord. I entitled this message, Taken. And it's from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. And then we're going to go over and we're going to look at Genesis chapter 5. 
and we're going to look at Enoch's, Enoch's life. But I want to read Hebrews 11, verse 5 and 6. It says, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. But before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, when I, I read that over and over, but this past month, God's just been opening my eyes to the fact that God had taken Enoch. And I want you to understand that Enoch didn't have anything that was that special for God to take. It was only his life. And it was his life that was, was, was actually at enmity with God. I want you to understand that I'm, I'm talking this message, in, it's in the context of faith. And what you're going to find out that God has a right to take what belongs to him. And our problem is when we are walking with God and spending time with God, we like to bring our best. And God wants your all. He wants your all. He wants everything about you. He is, and I'm going to make a declaration, he's the lamb that has taken away your sins. He paid for it with his blood. And it's time he get what he paid for. But the only way you can allow that to happen, you have to be taken. Because we, have, we always think our contribution, it, it, no matter how insignificant, it adds something to what God is saying is finished. I want to say it again. He is the lamb that has taken away the sin of the whole world. Many of you, just like myself, when you thought you discovered God, you gave him your whole life. You said, Lord, I give you my life. But when you were doing it, you thought you were giving something worth something. But God, he gave his all for something that's worth nothing. He took your sins, not only your sin, but the body of sin, your sin nature upon himself, and he gave you his life. It's humbling when you can't add anything to God, what God has done. He actually takes your old life. I'm going to, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I, I, I think it's okay. He takes the thing that we try to hide in our closet, the darkness, all of the 
things that we don't want to share with anyone, especially in the house of God. We bring our best worship, and God wants our all. But we don't know how to do it. It has to be taken, and it's taken each step of a walk with God. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For behold, before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please, please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Now, I want you to understand when you come to God, when you come to God, and we think in terms of going after God, coming to God, but the word of God says, if anyone desires to come after me, you must first deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. For whosoever would, would uh, desire to gain his life will lose it. And whosoever will lose his life will find it. Now, I'm talking to you within the context of coming after God, walking with him, and losing your life. Denying yourself. Now, when I first read Deny Myself, I thought about denying myself things. But he's talking about denying yourself or, in a better understanding, losing your life. And I'm talking about not the eternal life or the divine life, but that soul self-life, that life that's not worth anything. He says, if you want to come after me, you've got to deny yourself. And that's why I know that when you walk with God, he takes you. There's no one that's able to crucify himself. Jesus didn't crucify himself. He laid down his life willingly. No one took it. But he couldn't crucify himself. And so we can try to fix things and we try to make things look nice but it's not a pretty sight when God takes you. It's it, every step of the way, and I'm going to go over to Genesis chapter 5, and then I'm going to speak to you out of my heart. I want you to see. Actually, I have one more scripture. Genesis 5, 21. Keeping in mind, he, God took Enoch. It says, Enoch lived six, 65 years and begot Methuselah. And after he forgot, begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch was 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, I want to say to you, before I go any farther, 
it's not easy to be not. <laughs> no one aspires or have an ambition to be not. But when you walk with God, God takes you. And he takes the part that you think is so valuable until you won't let go, even though God says, if you're going to come after me, you've got to lose everything of your life or yourself. And he's not thinking about material things where you deny yourself. That's legalism. And if you are hungry for everything you see, that's lawlessness. But the New Testament says that if you're going to come after God and you're going to walk with him in a close relationship, you have to deny yourself. Now, it says that this man walked 65 years, and then he had a son. And he didn't walk with God for 65 years, and then he walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. Now, the only thing it says he did is he had sons and daughters. And I thought about that. I said, Lord, if all I leave behind is sons and daughters, I've done my job. Not buildings. If, if, if I gave away my life, my, my life in Jesus Christ, if I gave you the wisdom where you stop struggling trying to give something to God that he takes, because we are so selfish, we hold on to everything of a part of, of what we call valuable is our own independence where we want to help God out. We want to contribute with telling God what he needs to do when he needs to do it. Enoch walked with God 360 years. I didn't say days. Years. And it says all the days of Enoch's life was 365 years. But Enoch wasn't the first one that walked with God. Adam and Eve was the first. And they used to walk with God in the cool of the day until they disobeyed and their eyes were open. And after that, they had a whole nother pastime. In Genesis chapter 3, Verse 7, after Adam and Eve had disobeyed God, their eyes were opened. It says the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then God, the Lord God, called to Adam, where are you? Now, I want you to notice that God is at his usual time to walk. In the cool of the day, he comes to walk with them. It's togetherness. It's, it's walking with 
And an exchange takes place as he's walking with them, and they're nowhere to be found. Because their eyes are open now. They are like God, solving their own problem. And they don't do a very good, good job. Can you imagine how much effort it takes to sew fig leaves to try to cover up your nakedness? Oh, you probably know, you, you're still working on your set. <laughs> you, you, the, the word of God is not good enough, it's finished. You, you're still sewing. Your fig leaves trying to cover up and you're still hiding among the trees. If I could give up all that time it takes of hiding. And I just understood what I said when I began to talk to you that God comes and he takes what belongs to him and it's not worth anything to anyone else. He, he came and he, he took up of himself that which separated us from God. Many of you feel distance in your heart right now. You feel like God is not with you and he's not doing what you think he should be doing. And you don't believe that if you just come to your Heavenly Father. Like in Luke 15, where that younger boy who had wasted all of his, the father's goods on riotous living, he decided to come back to his father. The majority of us don't know what a loving father we, we have. Only he can restore you. Only he can cover you. You can't make a covering for yourself. I learned that when I walk with God, he takes me. And even though I told him I gave him my, my whole life, he takes it little by little, step by step. I'm changed in his presence when I'm looking at him, beholding his face in the mirror, not when I'm looking at myself and saying, I need to cover this spot because I see some light. Do you know that even when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and ate from the tree that God told them not to eat from, Nothing really changed. The only thing changed was in their mind. They began to have enmity in their mind. Do you know that God was still good? He was still good. He was still there to meet with them. He had to ask, where are you? Adam, I'm here, where are you? Why aren't you here? As I walk with him, I, I, he said, nothing really changed. He said, I'm still good. And the only thing changed is that we don't know how good he is. And we try to determine how good he is. 
and how gracious he can be to us. And we don't expect that he loves us so much until he wants to give you the best robe to cover your nakedness. He wants to put a ring on your finger and return your authority that you think you've lost. He wants to give you new sandals so that he can, can change your walk. We are in such a hurry and God enjoys every moment of just being with you as his redemptive work is unfolding. We want to get to the end and he's in the moment. If you stay in the moment, 360 years will go by like that. And you won't have in your mind said, look, God, look what I built. Look, look what I did. The only thing that mattered is that it was sons and daughters. That changes everything. That's how the Father looks at each and every one of us. He doesn't look at us as, as we look as sinners. That's my son. He was lost, but he's now found. He was dead, but now he's alive. And as I share with my church this morning, I, I, I look at a couple with a little, little baby, and I, I told him, I said, if that young boy grows up and he disobeys you, you're not going to call him a, a sinner. You're going to say, that's my son. And you're going to talk to God in language that he understands. He understands sons and daughters. We see each other as sinners. Oh, praise be to the name of the Lord. God knows how to separate who you are from what you've done. I learned that early on as a father, and I, I want to impart this to you who are raising children. You got to learn how to separate what your child does from who he is. I would tell my children, I, I said, I don't like what you did, but I love you. I love you, and I will never stop loving you, and I'll never stop, stop believing in you. This is what happened when God walks with you, but we don't know what to give him. We try to give him the best, and we leave all the rest under the fig leaves, under the trees, hidden. All of the stuff that we do, and we want to change. We want to fight. We want to do everything, but we don't want to just walk with God. They hid. And their eyes were open, and they started to think about what they could do. And so God said, where are you? And they said, we hid because we were naked. And you know what God said? Who told you? Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to? Because before that, they didn't have any consciousness of themselves, just God. 
They didn't know when they were missing something because in their eyes they weren't because they could see God and God is wholeness. He didn't, Adam didn't know he was alone. God was the one who had to tell him before they ate of the tree, before their eyes were open. God had to say it's not good for man to be alone. It was God who said, I'm going to make him a helper suitable for him. It wasn't Adam interceding and saying, God, I feel like something is missing in my life. God, I believe it's a woman. Will you please, God? And, and, and then you got to persuade him. Oh, God, I give up everything if you give me something that make me feel whole. I tell you by the Spirit of God, there's nothing outside of you that can add anything to you. Nothing that your eyes can see that can make you any better than you already are. You cannot be improved on. I'm not talking about the old nature. That's what he takes as you walk with him. I'm going to say, say it again. I don't know anyone that would purchase man in the condition he was in and not pay with gold or silver but with his own blood I, what is it sin called, caused death to come in and that's distance from God it may be alright with you to have such enmity in your heart in your mind until you can't realize that God is here. In Luke 15, the elder brother, he was so religious and legalistic, he just said, I've served you, Father, and I never disobeyed any of your command, but you never gave me anything. You know what the father said? Son, you are always with me. It's a funny thing. You feel like God is afar off, and God says, you're always with me. You're always in my heart. You're always in my heart. That's the Father's responsibility to keep you in your heart, even when you feel like you you, you swinging on the chandeliers or just all over the place and you say, I'm lost. And lostness to you don't mean what it meant to Jesus. In Psalm 22, 1, he cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? That was worse than any whipping, any, any, any hanging on the cross to Jesus. That, that was secondary Pain, the real pain was being separated and feeling forsaken and feeling far off from God. And God wants us to know that he's right here. Now I want to share a little bit about, about my life. I'm just going to go back two years ago. And I'm telling you, it's not easy to be not. When God is taking you, you start thinking all kinds of things. He's taking you, and you don't like to be taken, but God, he says, 
You belong to him, and he's not talking about the born-again life. Talking about that old nature that he actually died, suffered to take. I was walking with God, and I've been walking with him for the last 30 years. But two years ago, it got really tight. And I know now that I was becoming not. God was taking me, but at that time, I thought that I, I, I thought all kinds of things, and I wanted to quit the pastorate. I didn't want to pastor anymore. I was in a tight place, and God was taking everything, and, 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 and I could see I was losing my ability to, to communicate my own priorities of what I thought life and ministry and all of that is all about. And he was taking me, and I... I, I was wanting to quit, and, and only I, I told my wife, I, I, I really want to quit the ministry. I said, I want to quit the ministry. And you know what I said? I, I want to travel and, and, and be an itinerant minister now. I, it, I feel like I'm, I, I'm not being effective. Oh, praise be to the name of the Lord. <laughs> Who are you to tell God that you are not being effective. Let me put it biblically. Who told you this? I said, well, well I, anybody could see it, God. <laughs> Anyone could see it because I was measuring myself against others. And I didn't understand when it says he had sons and daughters. That's, that was everything in God's eye. That's the only thing he, I, I know Enoch had to accomplish something in 365 years <laughs> other than sons and daughters. But that's all God wrote about. He lived and he was not because I took him. The life down here is about being taken and it's not God doesn't ask for permission. He just takes you. And sometimes we don't understand and we get confused and we want to quit. Quit something. Quit a marriage. Quit and leave because raising children is just too difficult. Everything when you're being taken becomes hard. You know why? Because you can't fix it. I didn't even have strength to, to sow not one more leaf. I just didn't. I didn't have strength to try to improve on what God was, was doing in my life. And I, 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 I got tired of trying to tell him, explain to him, as I, we would say, explain to God why this doesn't work, why this doesn't look right. And all of us, all of the time, he, he's not moved. See, God is never, ever worried when we're in that place of decision. 
Because just like the younger brother said, God, give me everything. I, I mean, Father, give me everything I have coming to me. And God is omniscient. He's still omniscient. He always will be. He knew the boy was going to mess up badly. And if I was God at that time, it was my son, I would have jumped in the way. You ain't going nowhere. You're not going anywhere. I would have been everywhere he turned. God just got out of the way. Okay, I'll give you all you got. Because God is not worried, even when we are worried. Out, you know, if God is not worried, why am I so anxious? I'm constantly, I was, I was worried and anxious about everything and God is not worried. He's just let me walk this thing out little bit by little bit. And he's never in a hurry. I'm taking a step. God, I'm going to quit next Sunday. I'm going to quit, God. I told you I wasn't cut out for this. And he, he never said a word. Never said a word. He just kept on taking me. And I, I, being not is, is, is hard, I'm telling you. It, it's like, wow. He's taken me. Now, I'm still doing what I do. You know, I'm just trying to bring you my best. With my, 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 all of my foolishness. And that's when he started to talk to me about bringing you all. Nobody in my church knew I was planning on quitting. You hide that in your, underneath your fig leaves, <laughs> in the closet. In your prayer time with God, you say, oh God, I'm going to quit. Well, when are you going to inform the church? Well, I ain't going to really <laughs> Nobody knew, and I was preaching with all my heart. And some of the things that I was getting, he, he said to me that when you're walking with him, he just takes little by little. He said, I'm not looking for your best. I'm not even looking for anything that you can contribute at all. And I want to tell you, it's not what you believe about what you can do. It's about you believing what Jesus has done. But I didn't know it. I was trying to, to, to improve. I told you, nothing changed. Nothing. It was all in my mind that I was having warfare because if you can't control the situation by contributing something. Because I had told God how he could grow the church that I was pastoring. And he didn't listen to me. <laughs> he didn't do anything I told him and I would be interceding hard. You know. And one thing about it, when you when you're almost be not you find yourself really, really pressing. 
Everything that God has given us, even the kingdom is freely given. He delights to give you the kingdom, little flock. He, he wants to give you, he wants to give it to you, and he, he enjoys restoring. If Adam and Eve had model behavior that we, are, we tend to follow because they ran and hid, they sowed fig leaves, and we tend to practice that. But what if they had just came and said, God, we messed up. We ate what you told us not to, and now we have all these thoughts about fixing things and taking care of things and doing things, and, 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 and it, it, it's just, it, it, it's driving us crazy. We, 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 we feel distant from you, God. Something is wrong. You're not the father that has taken care of everything. You, we, don't know, we don't know you like that. But what if we had just came to ourselves like the younger brother and said, you know what? I had it better in the father's house. I think I'll go back. And then some of the knowledge that they shouldn't have had crept in. He said, I'm going to tell him I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me a hired servant. Don't ever go into God's presence again telling, you, telling him you are not worthy. Let me come over on this side. Don't ever go into God's presence telling him you are not worthy. God makes you worthy through the blood of Jesus. The new and living way in which we come into his presence, he makes us worthy. The, the, the young man said, I'm not worthy. And the father didn't even answer him. He just said, bring the best. When we walk with God, God gives us the best, but we don't know the best. We, we, we are always trying to create something of our own. To us, the fig leaves were the best because we did it. Hiding seemed to be the right thing to do. And it's not. I walk with God so long until I understand now that if there's anything that he wants to change, Holy Spirit will change it. When I was a young man, I had a temper. Nobody would ever think that Pastor Robert Daniels had a temper. I had a real bad temper. I was angry. And when I came to know God, I wanted him to take that first because I know better. I know that that's the worst thing that could, could, I could have. We like to fix things so that we can jump into our Pharisee life and point at everybody else. I got, I, God took my anger just like that. Why are you still angry? <laughs> What's wrong with you? And so I told God, God, take the anger. Please take the anger. 
I begged him to take the anger. And you know, it was one day I was in, in Bible college. At the end of the semester, I had several book reports, several tests that I had to do, and I was studying, and the Holy Spirit came and said, we're going to deal with the anger today. <laughs> I prayed for years, and, and, and of the day that I have all of this work to do, Holy Spirit said, we're going to deal with the anger today. And I said, not today, Lord. Because I was so accustomed to telling God when I was going to meet with him and not the other way around, I was so accustomed to telling him, so we're going to spend an hour because that's, you know, everybody spends at least an hour. And I tell him, we're going to do it here. And so I told God, not today. And the Holy Spirit came back, you know, because he's not afraid of my nonsense. <laughs> he came back again. I said, God, not today. I've got all of this to do. He came back again. I said again. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't getting anything done anyway. I said, okay, God. Okay. Let's, let's deal with this today. You know, because I've got to be in control. You know, that, isn't that intercession? You tell God what to do, right? Well, no. I told him what, okay, we're going to take care of it now. You remember, I was the same guy that said, not today, now, because I wouldn't get anything done. We're going to take care of it. And he came. And he began to deal with that anger. It began to, he said, we're going to bring it up out of you. And when it when it got about to right here, I did what I always did. I wanted to suppress it. I pushed it back down because I was afraid of losing my temper and being so out of control. And I felt it coming up again. He said, no, we're going to take care of it. Just, you're going to give it to me. I said, God, my anger? This is all the things that I've hidden. This is what I've hidden. This is what I thought disqualified me when you called me to ministry. I went to Bible college, but I just knew I wasn't worthy because of my temper. And he started to take it as it came out, and I was afraid, fear, because a lot of fear has to do with anger. Fear. Fear began, I, be, I began to get afraid again. But then he, he took it. And then he told me it belongs to me. He said, why, why do you hold on to that which I purchased with my blood? Now, it may not be anger for you. It may be something else, but he took it. He took it. And he began to let me know, and I'm going to close in a little bit. He began to know that he's not worried about the, the things that you are worried about. 
the parable of the man that comes in, he, well, God plants the wheat, he plants the wheat, and then someone comes in and sows some tares. You know what God says? Let them grow together. No, God, uproot that. Get rid of it. Let it grow. I'm not worried about anything like that. I know my son. I know the seed. I know the seed. Now, here's the thing. Tears and weeds and all of that, they grow really fast. They grow. The seed takes longer. It takes time to germinate. The life of God takes long. And, and, and the weeds just growing everywhere. And we say, oh, I don't see anything but weeds. With your pharisaical self, you don't see anything good. Just weed. God sees the seed. And he sees the seed that, 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 that's, it, it, it's almost like it's struggling in, in dry ground. It's, it's like there's it's nothing that, that can support the seed, but it, it still grows, but it's not growing fast enough. But that's the real life. And it takes discernment and revelation to see it. And as you walk with God, he takes a little bit of that worthless weeds. Little by little. He's just not going fast enough for you. And then we tell him, said, oh, no, I'm going to give up. Two years ago, I wanted to give up. Now I'm having that the most joyous time serving the house of the Lord. God only expects you to do what you are gifted to do, life-giving. I know how to carry the people of God in my heart. I know how to carry their burdens. Not everybody can do this. Not everybody is equipped. There are some that are visionaries. They, they are there in the church, and the church grows because of their just being there. But the enemy will say, oh, it, you don't have time to take care of the people's problems adequately. He was telling me, oh, you're not, you know, you're not a good pastor because you're not doing this. But, but I was, I'm called to carry the burdens of the people and pray. And so I have a, a small church, but, well, none of you are calling me, but at every church they call me and they say, can I meet for coffee with you? And I come in their burdens, their, their, their pains, their discouragement, and all of that, and I carry it. 
That's what God told Moses when Moses said, God, if you're going to have all these people with all their burdens and problems on me, just kill me right now. <laughs> just kill me. He just said, just, just kill me because all of these people's problems. Do you know the heaviness of the weight of the people? It'll kill you. But he said, Moses, let's share this. Let's share it. So every last one of God's people have problems because they don't know what God has done. So what I'm telling you in my heart, I learn to carry the people. That's what I do. I can walk with you. I can hear devastating things. More failures, things like that don't, don't scare me. Because to you, are, you're not just some sinner. This is my son. Can I just share one more little piece of my life? And then I'll close for real. <laughs> I used to be a sinner. I used to do all kinds of things as far as just doing what I wanted to do. And when I was 18, I was born in Louisiana, I said, I'm leaving my mother's house. Because my mother wouldn't let me do what I wanted to do. And I said I was coming to California, I was going to do whatever I wanted to do. And I came out here, and I was intending to do it. One night, I was getting ready to just go out and just have a, a prodigal life. And I couldn't find my keys. <laughs> the, the, the whole, until around 2, 3, I was looking. I couldn't find them. The next morning, I wake up. They were right on my, my dresser. And my mother told me, that even though I said I was going to do whatever I want to do, she said, I prayed to God and I said, I'm not going to lose my son. <laughs> she didn't say, I'm not going to lose that old sinner. She said, I'm not going to lose my son. God, whatever you have to do. And that's how I learned to carry the people. But she told me, she said, when you were little, I carried you on my hip and I, I, I set you on my knee. And when you got old, I carried you in my heart. And I carry this church in my heart, along with our, my church. And I, I carry you, Pastor, in my heart. And I believe in you. I, I, I really believe in you. There is something that you bring to this church that it's so significant. Now, you may not be able to bear all the burdens of the people. That's why I'm here. 
I just need you to keep doing what you're doing. You, 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 the way you love Jesus, the way you bring him into the marketplace, the way you talk, and the way you organize, things just begin to prosper just because you are standing here. And, and you are not, you, you haven't done anything. You're just standing here, and this place is just <laughs> prospering. Do you know how hard it is to get young people? It's like herding cats. I mean, <laughs> and they come, and they just love to worship. And you don't know, I, we were so high in worship, I was saying, oh, God. So beautiful, and you got up and said, Oh, we haven't got enough. Let's go a little bit deeper. <laughs> and, I, and I said, Praise God, that's how He does it. That's a gift from God. It's no extra work. God will come to you like He did Moses and said, Let's just share the burden of the people. I need you to communicate the vision. That's all. You open your mouth, and you didn't prepare anything today. You just speak, and it's the oracle of God. I believe in you. I brag on you. I boast on you. I said, oh, the ark is it's like no other church. Nowhere. And since your leadership, I've seen it change from a ministry to a church. I've seen it. And I share with you, if you need me to carry some of the weight, I'm, I'm here, I love it, I love it. I carry all of you in my heart. I just, hey, I can talk to God for, for long times at <laughs> night. I, I don't sleep much, I don't need much sleep. Three hours is enough for me in the presence of God. And I, I'm talking about how good he is and how powerful he is and how he's not afraid of losing not one and he gives me peace and I, I let people grow and I let them experience walking with God. It wasn't easy to be not and I struggled and I wanted to quit. And, 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 and you know what? Everybody in my house said, yeah, dad, it's time us up. You're 60 years old. What's going to be different when you're 70? My baby told me that. I said, wow, that's wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> but none of us was hearing from God. None of us. A multitude of counsel and not one of us was hearing from God. And God wasn't worried. He just let us all walk it out. And now we all came back and we just loved Ministry, love God's people, love serving God's house. But it's about walking with God. It's just letting him take what he wants and not me telling him what he needs to do. It's trust. And so I, I want to bless you today. And I thank you for just listening to my life, my life with God, just like Enoch. Man, that was a boring life. All he had was sons and daughters. Enoch, you didn't do nothing. You had all that time, and all of a sudden, he pleased God. What? <laughs> and he pleased God? 
Because you need to know when you are not, you got to believe that God is. He is. He always is, even when I'm not. He always is, and he's a rewarder when we diligently seek him. And that's all he's asking. All he's asking. So if you're struggling with anything and you just don't think where you are, what you're doing is good enough, I want to take that from you. And I want to carry it to God. Because all your failures belong to him. He was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When I said it's time you give him what he paid for, I really mean it. I don't ask God to forgive my sins. You know what I do? I glorify him by thanking him that he has taken away all my sins. That's faith. That's truth. When you come into the presence of God and say, God, please forgive me of all my sins. He said, I already done did that. I just thank him. Lord, I'm so grateful. I glorify him. I say, oh, God, your blood is enough. Oh, God, I, I thank you. I can't add anything to it. I, I just believe what you did is enough. And all that pleases him is faith. That's all. Look what I did. No. Faith. And what I want to leave with you, he will take away everything that needs to be taken at his proper time. Don't get ahead of him and try to tell him, say, take my anger. Uh-uh. Because if it's too easy, you will become a Pharisee. So let him take it when it's time. Amen? Lord bless you all. I love you so much. I love you so much with all my heart. I love you so much. Thank you. We're, uh, we're not going to let you out of here without praying for us.